0: Why don't you uh, grab your Bible and open with me, please, to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We find ourselves um, in this final section of chapter 2 in our series through 1 Corinthians. And uh, interestingly, we also find ourselves in our day and age in a similar crisis to what Paul faced. And it's one of the reasons, really, that he wrote this letter to the church in Corinth um, in the first place. It is a crisis of wisdom. A crisis of wisdom. And uh, there's a lot of people in our world who are smart, but there don't seem to be quite as many people who are wise. Uh, There's a lot of people who know a lot of information, but there don't seem to be quite as many people who are able to take that information and rightly apply it to the circumstances within their lives. Uh, Let me give you some examples of what I mean. Uh, Knowledge understands that the light has turned red, wisdom hits the brakes. Okay, you got it? Um, Knowledge uh, sees the quicksand. Wisdom walks around it, not through it. Okay, you with me? Um, As the Sunday school lady says so profoundly in the kids' cartoon, What's in the Bible with Buck Denver, uh, she says, there's a guy at the zoo who knows a lot about alligators, and everybody says, boy, he is so smart. But then he reaches his arm through the bars to pet the alligator. He may be smart, as the Sunday school lady says, but he's not wise. And there's this this crisis of wisdom. It it seems very much that uh, that is the way of our world today, and and that there may even be some people who know a lot about what the Bible says, but it seems like there are a lot of people who are reaching their arm through the bars of the world trying to find what they think they need. And uh, because let's face it, for some people, um, it's just easier. It's just easier to turn on the TV and let the world tell us what to do right now than it is for us to open our Bibles and let God shape who we are over a longer period of time. One commentator, Craig Bloomberg, uh, put it like this. Quote, it is deeply ironic that the generation with the greatest number of accurate, understandable translations of the Bible, replete with study helps, from brief annotations to massive commentaries, should be one of the most biblically illiterate societies in the history of the church. When we are dependent on a handful of prominent leaders, we then become unable to reject false teaching or discipline immoral behavior by our favorite authorities. End quote. And I would agree, I think this is a real crisis that we face. There are a lot of people who know a lot of information about God. Uh, There are some people who know an extraordinary amount of information about God. There are a lot of people who can recite Bible verses and debate theological concepts, but here's the challenge that we face. It's one thing to know stuff about God. It's another thing to take the stuff that you know and let it shape the way that you live. One of those is being smart. The other of those is being wise. And the Bible calls us, right from the very beginning to the very end, not just to be smart. The Bible calls us to live a life that pursues wisdom. And so the question before us this morning is simply this. What is true biblical wisdom? What does that look like, and how do I know that I'm living my life according to true biblical wisdom? Well, that's the focus of our passage today in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and therefore it's the focus of our message today as well. So uh, let's have our Bibles open, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. You can follow along in your copy of God's Word as I begin reading at verse 6 and down through to the end of the chapter in verse 16. This is the Word of the Lord. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Title of today's message, uh, Real Wisdom for Real Life. Real Wisdom for Real Life. I want you to know this morning, I want you to see this morning, I want you to understand this morning right here from God's word that no matter what you're facing, God has real wisdom for real life. There's a lot that's packed into this passage. There's a lot that God has to say to us this morning. And so to try and understand what God is saying here in this passage in his word, we're gonna ask three simple questions of this passage. um, And we're just gonna knock them off one at a time as we make our way through. Number one, what is wisdom? Number two, where does it come from? And number three, how do I know that I have it? Okay, you don't need to write those down right now. We're gonna ask each of those questions as we go along this morning. And uh, just want you to know for now, God has real wisdom For real life, that no matter what you're going through, no matter what your circumstance might be, God has wisdom for you this morning. So let's start with this. Number one, what is godly wisdom? Well, notice this first it's uncommon. It's uncommon. So, for the better part of chapter one and now into chapter two, Paul has talked a lot about the pitfalls of worldly wisdom. That um, what the world thinks is wisdom is actually foolishness because the world has eliminated God from the equation and that's what makes it foolish. But now he says here in verse 6 that among the mature, so among the mature, among those who are not just taking in the knowledge but those who are letting that knowledge shape the way that they live, he says there's a different kind of wisdom now that we pass along. And notice what he says in the second part of verse 6. He says, it's not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. In other words, there is a good kind of wisdom. There is a profitable kind of wisdom. But you need to understand that that wisdom is drastically different from anything that the world considers to be wise. So think of what that means for us in our day today, right here, right now, 2020, here in Brantford as we live our lives. You can hear certain things on TV and you can pattern your life after that. You can, um, you can see certain lifestyles that are being promoted in the movies that you watch. You can even pattern your attitude and your behavior after famous people in our culture who by all outward appearances are not living their lives for the Lord Jesus Christ. And part of what the Bible is saying here is that that is the wisdom of this age, And he says, if you pattern your life after the wisdom of this age, you need to understand that eventually that wisdom is doomed to pass away. Like, you got to understand that everybody who's committed to letting their life be shaped by worldly wisdom, there is coming a day when all of this is said and done, when this life is done and we stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and everything that we see around us has passed away, you need to understand that the wisdom of the world is doomed to pass away. It will leave you on that day before the Lord Jesus Christ feeling totally empty and it's gonna let you down. So understand what he's saying here. He's saying that the destiny of worldly wisdom has already been determined and it's not looking good. Like that's what we need to take in from this. And so here's what it comes down to for us. If you're committed to living a life according to godly wisdom, then you will be constantly living against the grain of the world. Okay, so let me say that again. If, if you're committed to living your life according to godly wisdom, then you will be constantly living against the grain of the world. In other words, it's gonna be like everybody else is going that way. Everybody else is going in that direction. They're living their lives according to wisdom that takes them in that direction. But as a follower of Jesus Christ, it's like we're taking and living our lives according to that direction. And we're always going that way. Even though everybody in the world is going that way, we're always going that way. And if you're committed to living your life according to godly wisdom, you need to understand that that's what's going to happen the world's always going to be going that way, and we're always going to be going that way against the grain. And I think this is one of the reasons why we're facing a crisis of wisdom among Christians today. Because we see everyone else going one way while we're trying to go the other way, and then it almost, it's almost like it brings us to a point where we think to ourselves, okay then, well, what's wrong with me? Like, why is it that everybody else is going that way, and I'm going this way. And sometimes it feels like I'm the only one who's going this way. And so we start thinking to ourselves then, well, if everybody is tolerant on that topic, then maybe I need to be too. And if everybody else is accepting about that position, then maybe I need to be too. And sometimes it can be so easy for us to forget that the wisdom of God is uncommon. Like the wisdom of God is not readily accepted by the world. And so sometimes instead of pressing into what God has said in his word about these things, we find it easier just to accept what the world is doing. Like we need to understand, if we're committed to godly wisdom within our life, then we're constantly going to be going against the grain of the world. The world's always going to be going that way, and we're going to be going that way. And sometimes it's going to be tempting for us to think, is there something wrong with me? Paul gives an illustration of this in verse 8. He says that's actually what happened at the cross. Look at verse 8. He says, None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Like he says, this is the whole pattern that has emerged right from the day that Jesus died on the cross. Like the whole world was going that way. Everybody was going in that direction because nobody in the world could understand how there could be power and glory and hope and victory and life and peace by someone dying on a cross. And so the whole world is going that way, and yet we know now on the other side of the cross that the wisdom of God was going that way because we know now that life and hope and peace and victory and joy and everything that comes with it is found because Jesus died on the cross in our place and for our sins. The entire world was going that way. Nobody understood that 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 was the wisdom of God when Jesus died on the cross. The wisdom of the world goes one way, and it's doomed, he says, to pass away. That in the end, if you live your life according to the wisdom of the world, then it's just going to leave you disappointed. It's just going to leave you let down when it's all said and done. But the wisdom of God goes the opposite way. So understand, first of all, that this wisdom is uncommon. But then notice the second, uh, this wisdom is secret. This wisdom is secret, verse 7. It's a secret and hidden wisdom of God. Secret and hidden um, refers to a mystery but the mystery is not a mystery to be solved. It's a mystery to be revealed. And Paul here is talking about the mystery of salvation. He's talking about the mystery of the gospel. He's talking about the fact that God has made a way for us to be saved from our sins and to be made right with him, that this, in fact, is the ultimate wisdom of God. See, friends, the biblically wise person filters all of life through the grid of the gospel. Because it's in the secret and hidden wisdom of God that we have been given life in the first place. Remember what Paul said in Galatians 2? He says, I am crucified with Christ. And it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And this life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Like this life is not my own. I have been crucified with Jesus Christ, and any life that I now live, I'm living for the Savior who gave his life for me. And so the wise person filters all of life through that grid of the gospel, and it shows itself in prayers like, Lord, what does cross-shaped wisdom look like in my life? Lord, what does cross-shaped wisdom say about this relationship within my life? What does cross-shaped wisdom say about this decision within my life? What does cross-shaped wisdom say about these priorities that I have within my life? See, if you want to be a biblically wise person, you must understand that wisdom does not begin by searching for answers to your questions. Wisdom begins by seeking after God who is himself the source of wisdom. Why does this matter so much? Look at the end of verse 7. He says, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. So not only is godly wisdom uncommon and secret, but a third, it's eternal. It's eternal. So notice this in the end of verse 7. The Bible says that God decreed, he determined this kind of wisdom from before the beginning of time for our glory. Now, now, just think about that for a minute. Let that, let that kind of sink in. Now think back um, all the way to before creation. So pre-Genesis 1, um, and, and all that exists is God because God is eternal, and then Genesis 1 happens, and God creates the world and everything in it. He creates man and woman in his image. And, and knowing that we would sin against him, God had already determined to send his only son, Jesus, to die in our place and for our sins so that we could be made right with him through faith in Jesus. And that one day when all of this is said and done, when this world is all gone and death and pain and crying and mourning are no more. And our hearts and our minds and our bodies have been, forever, have been made forever perfect in the presence of Jesus. Like that's what he's talking about here when he says for our glory. It's for our glorification. So when we have been made perfect forever in the presence of Jesus. Like just think about this. God thought to do all of that before time and space and creation even existed. Like, that is the wisdom of God. So think about how this plays out within our lives. God does all of this ultimately for his glory. But before the world even existed, God was thinking about how you and I could be with him forever. And then he carried out a plan that has accomplished that very purpose. That is the wisdom of God that has existed since before time began. Like loved ones, you got to understand, the world is never going to talk to you about that. The world is never going to talk to you about this eternal plan of God, this eternal wisdom of God. The world is never going to talk to you about the reality that your identity in Jesus Christ is rooted in the eternal plan of God for your life. The world is never going to talk to you about the reality that that God loves you and he's had this plan in place for you since before the beginning of time that your life is here. You are here on purpose. You have purpose. You have meaning. You have significance. You have worth. You have value in this life that goes beyond this life and it is rooted in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross for you. That is the wisdom of God and the world's never going to tell us about that. So, Here's what that means. If, in God's wisdom, he can establish a plan like that from before the beginning of time, then I am positively certain that God has wisdom for the stuff that you and I go through right now. Like, he's got it. Because the stuff that we go through right now is leading us, keep in mind, it's leading us to that moment of glory, right? It's leading us to that moment when when death and mourning and crying and pain, those things are no more, this world is gone, we're in the presence of Jesus. It's leading us to that moment of our glory, And in this life, God is never going to waste an opportunity to make us more like Jesus. So, what is godly wisdom? It's uncommon, it's secret, and it is eternal. So if that's what godly wisdom is, then here's question number two. Where does godly wisdom come from? Where does godly wisdom come from? Well, the question kind of answers itself. It's God's wisdom, but... Uh, Fortunately for us, Paul goes a little bit deeper than that. Uh, So verses 9 to 13 answer this question for us. Where does godly wisdom come from? See this first. Um, God the Father prepares it. God the Father prepares it. Take a look at verse 9. He says, but as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, here it is, what God has prepared for those who love him. Paul is referencing an Old Testament passage here. He's paraphrasing Isaiah 64 and 65. And in Isaiah's day, um, God's people had sinned against the Lord. They were sent into captivity in Babylon because of their sin. And and so now Isaiah's calling them back to the Lord. And, And the people had been praying for God to deliver them, praying over and over and over again for God to rescue them. And after 70 years in exile, God finally rescues them. The point here is that God had a plan to deliver his people in a way that no eye had ever before seen, and no ear had ever before heard, and no heart of man had ever before imagined. In God's wisdom, he had prepared a way for his people to be delivered, and in the same way, our future is secure in Jesus Christ because God has prepared a way for us to be delivered as well. Because no matter what happens in this life, no matter the grief, no matter the pain, no matter the disappointment, no matter the suffering that we go through in this life, God, in his wisdom, has prepared a pathway to eternity for us that is so great that we cannot even begin to comprehend how great it actually is. So again, just pause here for a second and think about how this applies to us in the circumstances that we go through right now. Some of you... Um, You're suffering right now. Some of you have questions about life right now. Some of you uh, don't know what to do in the circumstances that you're in right now. And you're at a place where your eyes cannot see the way out of it right now. And your ears have not heard of the way out of it right now. And your heart cannot begin to conceive how you're going to get out of it right now. But here's what we know. The cross looked like foolishness to the world. But the cross was the wisdom of God that delivered us for eternity. And in his wisdom, God has prepared a way for those who trust him for the difficult circumstances that they are going through right now. That God has made a way for us to be with him in eternity forever. And if God can make a way for us to be in eternity with him forever, then he can certainly make a way for us through the circumstances that we're in right now. And and listen, when God makes that way known to us, when he gives us that wisdom for the the things that we're going through, it may not make sense to us. And it, it may certainly not make sense to the world, but it makes sense to God. And if it makes sense to God, I'm okay with that. Like, listen... God has wisdom if you will seek him first. James chapter one. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him, but he must believe and not doubt. Like God has wisdom if you will ask him for his wisdom for the things that you're going through within your life. Not only does God the Father prepare this wisdom, but notice this next. God the Spirit reveals it. God the Spirit reveals it. Paul says in verse 10, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. It's what Jesus said would happen back in John 14. You may remember he said to his disciples, John 14 verse 25, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you these things, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So the Spirit of God is doing exactly what Jesus said that he would do. So at this point, um, we might stop and wonder to ourselves, well, how is it that God the Spirit can reveal to us what God the Father has prepared for us? Well, look at the back half of verse 10. He says, it's because the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. The Spirit of God searches everything, even the depths of God. Verse 11, then, is like an illustration where Paul says no one can know the thoughts of a person except the spirit of that person, and it works in the same way with God. Nobody can know the deepest thoughts of God except the spirit of God. So think of it like this. You and I can be standing face-to-face, having a conversation with each other, but there's no way that I'm going to know what you're thinking unless you tell me what you're thinking. And there's no way that you can know what I'm thinking unless I tell you what I'm thinking. Why? Because we're not mind readers, Right? Only when you tell me what you're thinking can I know what you're thinking. And only when I tell you what I'm thinking can you know what I'm thinking. Right? We can't know each other's hearts. We can't know the depths of who we are unless we begin to tell those things to one another. But here's what Paul is saying here. He's saying the Holy Spirit is God. And because he is God, that means that God the Spirit knows the thoughts of God the Father. And so it's the Spirit of God who reveals to us the wisdom of God in a way that we can understand it. Like, let's not forget that God is so high above us. That God is so far above us. He is so beyond us. And yet, it's the Spirit of God within us that takes these majestic, beautiful things of God and makes them understandable to us. So hear this. There is no other way for us to know the wisdom of God than through the Spirit of God. Okay, there's no other way for us to know the wisdom of God than through the Spirit of God. Now, maybe you're thinking to yourself, okay, but, but what about the Word of God? Isn't the Word of God the wisdom of God? Like, yes, 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 and amen. Absolutely, it is. The wisdom of God is in the Word of God. But, but just consider this for a minute. Anybody can read the Word of God. Anybody can read the Word of God, but until and unless you have the Spirit of God within you, You will not understand the significance of the Word of God. You will not understand the urgency of the Word of God. You will not understand the necessity of living your life according to the Word of God. There is no other way for us to know the wisdom of God than through the Spirit of God. So think of this again in light of our world today. Even despite all of the advances in technology and medicine and science and philosophy for all the resources that we have at our disposal today as the most wealthy and prosperous people in the history of the universe. That will never change the reality that the only way that we can truly know the wisdom of God is through the Spirit of God. So here's a bit of a diagram to help us um, understand this. I hope this is helpful. Uh, The child of God plus the Spirit of God plus the Word of God Bottom line equals the wisdom of God. The child of God who has the spirit of God within them and the child of God who has the word of God open in front of them, the child of God who is pursuing God in their life through the spirit of God and the word of God gets the wisdom of God. So where does, uh, where does wisdom come from? God the Father prepares it. God the, God the Spirit reveals it. And then this Uh, Number three, God the Spirit teaches it. God the Spirit teaches it. Verse 12, Paul says that um, what makes us different is that we do not have the Spirit of the world, we have the Spirit of God. We don't have the Spirit of the world, we have the Spirit of God. That's what makes us different. We don't live according to the ways of the world. We live according to the ways of God because God is living within us. And and it's his spirit in us that teaches us not only how to be saved, but it's his spirit in us that helps us understand how to live like we're saved. Verse 13, he basically says that there's not enough human wisdom on the planet to be able to communicate that kind of message to anyone. Instead, we need the spirit of God. I think there's a really important challenge for us here um, he says at the end of verse 13 interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual he's really been saying this through the entire passage up to this point um, but keep in mind he's writing this letter to a church that had lost their way uh, they're divided in their relationships they're losing their focus on the gospel and so Paul's bringing them back around And he says, you need to focus on the wisdom of God. But he says to them that one of their responsibilities with each other is to speak these spiritual truths to each other. To speak the wisdom of God into each other's lives. So let me ask you, friends, do you have somebody in your life who is speaking the wisdom of God into your life? Do you have someone in your life who on a regular, consistent basis is speaking the wisdom of God into your life? And and like we're not talking about the wisdom of the world. We're not talking about vague spiritual truths that could be applied to just about any religion. We're talking about someone who knows you well. Someone who spends time with you often. Someone who knows what you're going through. And by the power of the Spirit, they are speaking the wisdom of God into the circumstances of your life. Do you have somebody in your life like that? And on the flip side of that, are you doing that for someone else? Some of you, uh, you might be like, "Well, I wouldn't even know where to start with that. I wouldn't even know where to begin." But, but let me just say, I I think we have some resources that are helpful to move us in that direction. But also at the same time, let me say this: maybe it also requires a bit of a change in our perspective to realize that what we're talking about here, what we're talking about, speaking the wisdom of God into one another's life, this is not easy. Like this is going to take time and it's going to take energy and it's going to take effort and commitment and love and endurance and dependence upon the Spirit of God. But at the end of the day, to realize that this is some of the most important work that we will ever do. And because it's the most important work we will ever do, it is worth it. To speak wisdom, true biblical, godly wisdom into one another's lives. Final question, number three. How do I know that I have wisdom? How do I know um, that I have wisdom? This is kind of where the rubber meets the road for us. How do we know that we have godly wisdom? Again, uh, Paul outlines three ways here. First of all, notice this. I accept what God says. It's where it starts. I accept what God says. Look at the first part of verse 14. He says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. So by the natural person here, he's referring to someone who does not have the Spirit of God living in them. So the natural person is the unsaved person. They do not accept the things of God. The implication then is that the one who does have the Spirit of God accepts the things of God. In other words, it's like when I sit down and read the Word of God, in my spirit I am like, yes, this is the truth of God for my life. This is God's word for me and for my circumstance and for what I am going through. Like Friends, we can't miss how relevant this is for us today because we live in a world that does not accept what God says. Like On any number of cultural questions that are in our world right now, we live in a world that looks at what God says and they change it. They're like, I know that that's what the Bible says, but, but there's no way that God really meant that. He must have meant this. We live in a world that looks at what God says and they ignore it. Like, I know that's what the Bible says, but come on, man, really? Like, like that seems so archaic. It seems so irrelevant. It seems so old-fashioned. Like, nobody's going to live their life that way. And so there's no way I'm going to live my life that way, and and we just ignore it. We live in a world that looks at what God says and they fight it. Like, I know that's what the Bible says, but, but... Because that's what the Bible says, that's the very reason that I don't like God, and I don't like the church, and I don't like Christians. Like, we live in a world that does not accept what God says. But what the Bible is saying here is that for the child of God, who has the spirit of God, then we accept the word of God as the wisdom of God. That this is the way that life is to be lived. This is the way that actually leads to true life, to the abundant life in Jesus Christ. To understand that this is not just some random playbook that's meant to take all the fun out of life, but instead this is the word of God that leads to life itself. And so I know that I'm on the way to wisdom when I accept what God says. And then uh, notice this second, when I discern what God says, When I discern what God says, where by the power of the Spirit within me, I'm able to to take what God is saying and know and understand how to apply it to the way that I live. He says here that the natural person does not accept the things of God, verse 14. Why? Because they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Again, it's this argument from the negative. We We have the Spirit of God who helps us understand what God has said. As a follower of Jesus Christ, as a child of God, you have the Spirit of God within you who walks with you every single day, who will never leave you, never forsake you. And so because that's true, and because you have the Word of God in front of you, like all that we have today to help us understand who God is and what God has said, like this is what changes us. This is what helps us as we walk in obedience to Him. We have the Spirit of God who helps us understand what God has said. So how do I know that I have wisdom? I accept what God says, I discern what God says, and then finally, I obey what God says. I obey what God says. Verse 15, the spiritual person judges all things. Notice here um, that this is not the natural person from the verse before. This is the spiritual person. In other words, the one who has the Spirit of God in them And because you have the Spirit of God in you, you can understand the things that God has revealed, but you can understand them in a way that you're going to live according to them. Continues in uh, verse 15. But is himself to be judged by no one. He's saying here that um, unbelievers will look at us and not be able to understand why we believe what we do. That unbelievers will look at us and not be able to understand why we live like we do. So try and put all this together with what he's saying here. You understand that the way that God wants this life to be lived because you have the Spirit of God within you, and yet at the same time, you're surrounded by people who misunderstand you. You're surrounded by people who question you. You're surrounded by people who mock you and laugh at you because of what you believe. Is any of this ringing a bell for anybody? Right? Like this is our experience sometimes, right? But at the same time, don't be discouraged from living the way that God wants this life to be lived because that ultimately is the way of wisdom. That even when everybody else is going that way, as a follower of Jesus, we go after him. Verse 16, Paul quotes from Isaiah chapter 40. He says, For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, But we have the mind of Christ. Just think about that for a minute. Child of God, saved in Jesus Christ. You have the mind of Christ. Like, you don't need to work for it. It's not going to take some special formula for you to get all the pieces in place before you get it. As a follower of Jesus, a child of God, with the Spirit of God living within you, right now, you have the mind of Christ. Like, we look at life from Jesus' point of view, and because the Spirit of God is in us, we can say with our whole hearts, that is the life for me that's the life that I'm gonna live. We have the values of Jesus. We have the desires of Jesus. We have the purposes of Jesus in mind for all that we do. To have the mind of Christ is to think what God thinks about this life and to do what God says in this life. Reminds me of the old song that says, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Though none go with me, still I will follow. No turning back, no turning back. It's like, it's like that illustration, right? The whole world's going that way. Everybody's going that way because that seems the thing to do. But when Jesus calls us and we go after him, he's going that way. The wisdom of the world goes that way, but the wisdom of God goes that way. Though none go with me, still I will follow. My cross I'll carry till I see Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me, No turning back, no turning back. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back.